morning. You may be seated. Um, I just want to tie a couple concepts together before I start my sermon. Um, I, I, I'm not one of those preachers that says, oh, don't let your kids go out to collect candy on Halloween. Uh, because I, I was one of those fathers that stole a lot of that candy. So I, um, you know, um, but what I will say is, please, folks, when you're picking their, what's it called? Not a uniform, uh, costume. Um, be careful that you're not kind of introducing them to a spirit world you would rather them not enter into. You know, I, I, I worry about this. I, I worry about our township. And I'm going to tie this concept with next Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Um, I'm calling everyone to come and pray. Uh, pray for our country, okay? Pray for our, our homes. Pray for our township. I'm, I'm worried about our township. Our township is known for a Halloween parade, uh, a haunted house, a haunted hayride, and, and there's a contest. And if you come by my house, you'll see why I'm concerned. Um, where whoever has the nastiest, most demonic, and here's the word that really bothered me, the most ghoulish um, front yard gets a prize. Does, does anybody remember what they called those places back in Nazi Germany where they would do a lot of those human experimentations? Does anybody remember that? Think of the word ghoulish, gulag. Now, do we really want to be ghoulish? I mean, I see people, they've got not only demonic stuff, they've got body parts hanging. You want to see all that? Come by my house. Um, um, they got body parts with blood flowing off and everything. And, and, you know, if you're into that, okay. It's not, it's not at our house, it's next to our house. <laughs> I was yelling at my wife. No, I'm just kidding. But um, guys, all I'm saying is I think you hear what I'm saying. Be careful. Um, it's one thing to have fun. Um, one, <laughs> one time my son, my wife made him into, he had suspenders and his whole, he had a, he was a Dunkin' Donut box. Now we adults thought it was cute. A, how old would you have been? Three, Three four. Everybody else was a superhero and he was a Dunkin' Donut box. Now think about that, dude, you know, with a donut, big old fat donut on his head. He was not happy on that uh, Halloween. But I think you hear what I'm saying. Be careful. Just be careful of what you kind of introduce your children to and make light of. And please, church, next Sunday at 5 o'clock, let's come pray. Okay? Not just the superheroes of the church, but everybody. Pray around these altars. We need revival in this town, in our city. Everybody's like, well, I'm not from Reading. If you're within 20 miles of Reading, you're from Reading. If you tell somebody from Kansas City where you're from, you don't say Muhlenberg, do you? You say, I'm from Reading, you know? And, and our city needs it, our state needs it, and our federal government definitely needs it. So let's pray for revival.
Let's have it start right here. Only revival, politics, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, they ain't going to change jack. Only God can change the future of our country for our children and our grandchildren. Amen? Amen? So I'm just kind of calling us to this. If you'd like to open your Bibles, we're in 1 Kings chapter 19. A couple of weeks ago, we were studying about this prophet. Now, a prophet, if you understand, and I'm more prophetic than I am pastoral. Um, People laugh. Um, I don't kind of, let me put it this way. I'm not real smooth. Wouldn't you agree? I'm just not real smooth. Like, you know, if the president comes or, or, or Nancy Pelosi comes, depending on your party, um, and I'm intro- you probably don't have me introduce them. Because I'll probably stand up and say, what the heck are you? No, yeah. but I'm just not a smooth guy. I'm a prophet. I'm a guy that says, this is the truth. Here's where we're at. This is what's happening. And the bottom line is you better get your act straight. I don't know any other way to do it. Everybody's like, well, you know, if you, it's the way you say it. Well, I only know one way to say it, and that's to say it. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I really don't. But, you know, I got to try to act humble. You know what I'm saying? Well, Elijah was a prophet. And, and honestly, they killed those dudes. I mean, they were killing those dudes. If you remember earlier in the story, you know, uh, Jezebel, the, the queen, she had all the prophets killed. And Obadiah kind of hid some of them. But the reason they were killed was they ticked people off. People didn't like prophets. People don't like people that tell the truth. People like people that tell them what they want to hear and say it in a nice way. And I've just never been that guy. I'm more of a prophet, you know. Me, I'm like, quit being a wussy and say it, you know. It just, that's, just, that's just how I am, and that's, that's just um, how, what I do. But Elijah the prophet, a couple of chapters ago, uh, had raised a little boy from the dead. Now, that's pretty cool. I, I, that's a lot of power, wouldn't you say? You know, um, I, I, I'd like to see some of that. I, I really would. I, I think that's a, a really awesome thing. And I'm kind of praying right now. Well, God, why is that not happening in my ministry? You know, and, and, and you could say, well, oh my goodness, could you imagine that? But, you know, a couple of chapters ago, Elijah was uh, raising a little boy from the dead. And if you remember the story, last week, he went up against 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, and it was just him. And if you remember the story, they put the, 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 the cow on the altar and, and the prophets of Baal and Asherah were yelling, screaming, hollering, cutting themselves, you know, and, and Elijah stood there making fun of them, saying maybe he's out to lunch, maybe he's got him, he's busy, maybe he's on the phone, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is, I get the kick out of that. Some people are like, oh, he should not be mean. But I get a kick out of it. I think it's funny. You know, and then Elijah steps up and he calls down uh, fire from heaven and the fire comes down and, 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 and burns up the cow and burns up the altar and burns up the stones and burns up all the water they put all over the thing. And I mean, wow, what a miracle. Man, if I did that in public in front of everybody, I'd feel like a man. Amen? You know, I'd feel like, man, I'm bad. Huh? Would you? You know, anybody see what I just did? 
You know? Well, we get to the next chapter. And old Jezebel ain't happy. Because when Elijah whooped the prophets of Baal and Asherah, guess what he did with them? He killed them, sucker. He took them down by the river and took them out. Well, Jezebel, who is not a nice woman, stepped up and said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to take care of you. And this guy, now think about this. This prophet that had just, had just raised a little boy from the dead and had just defeated 450 prophets of Baal and 400 uh, prophets of Asherah, all of a sudden, he runs away. He is so afraid of Jezebel, my wife informed me, when he ran away, he ran a hundred miles. He was the first ultra marathoner. You know? I mean, do you know how afraid you have to be to run a hundred miles? Now, there have been times I've done some things, and I knew my wife found out, and I thought about it. But I'd have probably driven. You know? But the bottom line is, is here he is, this guy that had just raised this kid from the dead and just defeated all these prophets of Baal and Asherah. He's running from this woman, and he runs 100 miles, and hides under, some Bible translations say bramble bush, some bu- translations say, you know, um, juniper tree. But the bottom line is, he's afraid. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me. Now think of, I want you to think about that for a second. She just saw him defeat 850 of her prophets. In a, riot, in a rather magnificent way. Now think about that. And she still believes in those gods. Aren't you so thankful we're never that stupid? Anybody here ever seen the miracles of God? Anybody ever seen God do something that you knew it was Him and nobody else could have done it? And yet how often it is the next day a little problem comes... And we're whining like a little baby. Amen? Amen. Somebody be honest. Amen. <laughs> Somebody be honest with me. Some of you are sitting there going, not me. <laughs> okay. All right. But the bottom line is sometimes we do the same thing. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that uh, of one of them. Talking about the prophets. Elijah was afraid. Now remember, this is the dude that raised the kid from the dead. This is the fella that had defeated 850 prophets of foreign gods. Magnificently. You know, he won just like the Eagles are probably going to win against the Jets this afternoon. I mean, those Jets stinketh. Although there are days when the Eagles stinketh too. Amen. Amen. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, uh, he left his servant 
there. Elijah was struggling. And I can relate. I, I can relate. Elijah was frustrated because he said, I, I raised a kid from the dead. I defeat 850 prophets of Baal. And nobody seems to catch on. You ever feel like that? I'm the only person that gets it. <laughs> you know? What is the problem? And Elijah just fell alone. Let me help you with something. When you step up and you step up and do the, out and do the things of God, the bottom line is, lots of times, you're going to feel alone. Sometimes you're going to feel some fear. Sometimes you're going to have people like a Jezebel or somebody else come along, and man, they are going to get in your face, and, and man, it is going to feel like, whoa, what's happening here? I want to warn you, that's just part of leadership. That's just part of faith. That's just part of stepping up and stepping out and doing something with your life. You know? But you know what? If you never step up and you never step out, you never actually go anywhere. You just kind of sit there wishing you could go somewhere. Does that make sense to you? Too often, you know, somebody becomes a Christian, they're like, well, I still got problems. Whoever told you you weren't going to have any problems? Seriously. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. Now, that was a dude with problems. That was a guy who went up against everything we go up against and more. He was surrounded by a bunch of disciples that were the biggest pile of doofuses I've ever seen in my life. You know? I mean, you, could you imagine being with those disciples for three years? All right? Teaching them, investing in them, lifting them up, encouraging them, showing them the way, doing all those miracles, seeing all those demons cast out. Man, you would think they would get it and they would be excited about the trip. And the night before Jesus died, they're mad at each other. And one of their mamas saying, well, listen, Jesus, when, when we get to heaven, can my boys sit on your right and your left? I mean, they didn't get it at all. So who are we to think that somehow when we become Christians, everything's just supposed to be smooth? Everything's just supposed to be peaches and cream. We're just supposed to, for you that are younger, you might not know, you might, to tip toe through, toe through the tulips. Remember that guy? Nobody said that, guys. You need to understand that. That's not real. That's not real. Let me help you with something. Elijah, the prophet who had raised the kid from the dead and had gone up against the 800 prophets of Baal and Asherah, was still a human being. One of the struggles we have is that too often when we become Christians, we forget that yes, we're people of God, but we're still human beings. You're still going to have frustrations. You're still going to have foibles. You're still going to have failures. You're still going to have sickness. You're still going to have tragedy. You're still going to have heartache. 
you're still going to have everything everybody else has. You're still sometimes going to struggle mentally. Sometimes you're going to struggle emotionally. Sometimes you're going to struggle in your marriage. I've, I've never met a marriage that doesn't have struggles. Is there a marriage here that doesn't have struggles? You know, it's just not real. You know, in life, you're going to have temptations. You're going to have trials. You're going to have things that that's part of being a human Christian. Are you with me there? What I, the first time I ever read this, and I, I was reading along, and, and I read about him doing the things he had done, and, and the big thing with the prophets of Baal, and all that kind of stuff, and then the next chapter, I'm like, he's sitting under a juniper tree, hiding and crying and whining? How does that happen? What's going on there? Well, let me explain to you what's going on there. This great man of God was still a human and I think it's very important for us to understand that. I think it's very important for us to understand that no matter how great your faith may be, there are going to be times when you're fearful. Well, fear is sin. Yeah. But the reality is we human beings, we have this bad habit of fearing and worrying sometimes, don't we? Anybody else? You know? You're going to have things that you don't understand. You're going to have things you get frustrated, people you get frustrated with. You're going to have times where, you know, but here's the thing I want to say about that. Yes, those things are going to come. Are you listening to me? All right. Those things are going to happen. You're going to have those human feelings. You're going to have those human struggles. But in the end, those things don't have to define your life. When you find yourself in fear, it's time to drop to your knees, get in God's word, and by the grace of God, allow him to do something significant and extraordinary in your life. When you find yourself frustrated, when you find yourself angry, when you find yourself thinking things you shouldn't be thinking, when you find yourself as a human Christian, and too often, let me tell you the, the biggest problem with this, too often there are people around us saying, oh, you ought not be doing that. Now they're doing the same things, they're just gooder at hiding it. I know gooder is not a word, I like it though. You know? Every one of us have these things. Every one of us has these struggles. Every one of us have these trials. And the sooner the body of Christ, the church, gets there and understands that, we can understand and we can lift each other up instead of looking down our spiritual nose at somebody and say, well, they ought to get their act together. Amen. This is what I've been saying. As soon as I get everything together in my life, I'll look down on you. Did you hear what I just said? Let's think about that. As soon as I get every area of my life perfect together, then I'll look down on you and come down on you. Let me help you with that. Since that's probably never going to happen, then I don't have time to look at the log and the splinter in your eye when there's a big old fat log in my own. Amen? Very, very, very important. And let me encourage you. Elijah's hiding under this tree. 
And I'm going to be honest. You have to understand, if you're a woman, you don't understand men. Just like if you're a man, we don't understand you women. Amen? Amen. It just, you women are mysterious. But we men, there's a macho thing about us that you know Elijah had to be feeling something. That the day before, he's, he's taking on prophets of Baal, and the next day, he's whining and hiding under a bramble bush or a juniper tree because the queen's coming after him. He felt like a sissy. He felt like there was something wrong with him, you know? But let me encourage you this way. He went on, and God promised him, listen, you don't have to worry. You're not in this by yourself. Are you with me? No matter where you are, what the fear may be, what the struggle, human struggle may be, you're never in it by yourself. He picked himself up by the grace of God, and God showed him, listen, you're not alone. I have 7,000 other people that are right there with you that have not bent the knee to the prophet Baal. And he brought this guy alongside of him named Elisha. And sometimes you feel like you're not effective. You feel like you're not making an impact. You feel like you're not doing anything. But this Elijah comes along beside uh, Elijah and says, listen, I want to be just like you. I want to do what you're doing. I want to be who you are. I want to be there with you. And the bottom line is, he said, listen, Elijah, if you don't mind, what I'd like is I'd like a double portion of what you've got. Are you with me? And Elijah looked at him and said, yeah, you can have that. But the bottom line is this. You need to see me go up in a whirlwind of fire into heaven. And the next day, the bottom line is, that's exactly what Elisha saw. And that's the way I want to die. I want to go up in a whirlwind of fire into heaven. Wouldn't it be cool? Huh? You know? But let me go back to this double portion thing. Because Elisha went on and did just as many great things as Elijah did. Where are you getting your power? Who are you connecting with to overcome the struggles you have in your mind? Who are you connecting with to conquer the emotional battles? Anybody else have emotional battles? That just, you're not sure how to handle that. And you're not sure how to bring balance. And and you're not sure what to do uh, with all that. Amen? You know, who is your strength and where is your balance and, and, and where are you finding the ability to handle the broken relationships you have in your life? You know, where, where are you getting that? Where are you getting the ability to make your marriage what it needs to be? Where are you finding your ability and power to be able to be the parent or the grandparent that you really want to be and you were designed to be? Let me help you with this. There is only one person that can help you to be that and do that, and that is Jesus Christ. And he really will. But let me, let me warn you about something. He doesn't do it immediately, and it takes some hard work of digging in in prayer and God's word to get there. 
There have been things in my life that I struggled with for years and years and years. Anybody else ever do that? And the bottom line is, it took me getting on my knees and getting into God's word and getting on my knees and getting into God's word and getting on my knees and getting into God's word and hallelujah, in God's time. That's the part that ticks me off. I want it in my time. Amen? And I think God ought to work on my timetable. Doesn't work that way. In God's time, in God's way, God absolutely set me free from those things or he gave me the character I needed or he gave me the integrity I needed or he made me into the man I needed to be and the bottom line is God will do that for you but you have to be willing. Are you listening? You've got to be willing to get out of that cold bed sometimes, go downstairs, now I always put on coffee and spend some time with him. Spend some time reading his word. Spend some time kind of begging. Spend some time saying, okay, God, tell me and show me what I'm doing wrong and why I'm not that person. Are you with me? And let me help you with something. What Elisha asked for is what we all need. We need a double portion of God's glory and power and strength and might. And I promise you that he died 2,000 years ago. He rose again. He sent his Holy Spirit. And kids, that double portion is there for you. You can be that man. You can be that lady. You can be that person. You can conquer that evil. You can overcome. You really can. You can have that double portion. But it doesn't happen just because you ask. You ever read that passage of scripture says, Ask, then seek, and then knock. Sometimes, folks, to get what we really need, we can't just ask on the surface. We need to seek it out. And then sometimes we need to go beyond seeking and we need to become physical and say, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to be? Amen? Amen? Amen. Folks, we all need that double portion. April, could you text Hannah, please? Jesus Christ was sitting in heaven. And he knew that his ultimate ministry and his ultimate task was to leave his throne in perfection and come down through the heavens and clothe himself in flesh. Are you with me still? I can tell we forgot to turn on the air conditioner. People are falling asleep. He clothed himself in flesh. He took on everything you and I will ever take on. Are you with me? He had all the heartache. He had all the temptation. He had all the tragedy. He had all the people. He had all the stuff. But he won. Are you with me? He won. And he didn't do it 
sitting up in some throne in perfection in heaven. He did it right here, just like us in the flesh. Man, he got frustrated. Man, he got angry. Remember that part about him taking that whip into that temple and <laughs> whooping them out of there? I've thought about that a few times. There, you've got to understand, he was human too. But what did he de- do every time he got frustrated and he wasn't sure how to respond? He prayed. He prayed. And God the Father, blessed him with everything he needed to be that person that he was supposed to be. God the Father, if you will pray, will give you everything you need to be the person you were created to be and accomplish what you were created to accomplish. Are you with me? Are you with me?